What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. So I just posed the question over on the community tab for the malicious compliance channel and the Tales from Tech Support channel. So if you get a chance, go ahead and check those out. Give me your answer down below the picture. Uh, kind of trying to gauge a feel for if anybody wants to see me do a live. Uh, I can read some stories. I can do some just chatting stuff, you know, maybe a little bit of ask me anything. Doesn't mean I'm going to answer everything, but I'll, I'll give it my best shot. You guys know I don't pull too many punches. And <laughs> expect a lot of ums and awkward speech because it'll be live. Well, not that my videos are that polished anyway, but, you know, I try to be me no matter what. So anyway, let me know what you think about that. You can even do it right here on the video. Just let me know down below what you think of doing a live, if anybody be interested, if anybody's going to be awake for it. Uh, I know I have viewers in different places around the globe, so there's a possibility. Maybe I'll do one on the camping trip around the campfire. I don't know. Just let me know what you think. All right, let's read some malicious compliance. All the overtime you want. Okay. So this happened a couple years ago when I was 19 or 20, somewhere around then. As a wee lad, I got a job working at a local superstore while attending college. I was a cashier. It sucked, but honestly wasn't as bad as it could have been. My immediate manager helped protect the cashiers from the higher-ups, but those are war stories for another day. As time went on, as it does, eventually the dreaded holiday season came around. Thanksgiving week to be exact. I got the week off of school due to the holidays and was scheduled to work a juicy 40 hours that week but unfortunately was scheduled to work all Thanksgiving and Black Friday. My schedule had Thursdays off, but Thanksgiving falls on a Thursday and I was being forced to work. The good news is at least they fed us a ton of food in the break room. That was honestly nice, but I was bummed that I had to miss the holiday with family since I had prepared to have the day off as I thought I would. Now, before we get into the malicious compliance, a quick note. The store did not allow overtime. You were given extra lunches, sent home early, whatever they had to do to avoid paying out. If you got OT, you were either lucky or you had a major problem you were being made to handle. Management was salaried and the enlisted workers were lucky to get 38 plus hours. No extra money for the folks in the trenches. As we're a major store that caters to everything from groceries to electronics, we prepare for a very long week that tends to mark the hustle and bustle of the holiday season as a whole. The energy is pretty low as we're really dread this time of year and I'm extra nervous. This is my first retail job in the front lines during the holidays and I heard of all the horror stories about what's coming. The store manager gathers up a lot of the workers for a quick announcement that Monday. He tells us that essentially we're really behind and have a ton of work to do and that this is going to be a rough and wild week. So he's authorizing any and all OT across the departments from today until Sunday. He told the managers and department heads that if an employee wanted to work, let them work. We need the coverage. Later on we would discover what he meant was letting us come in on our days off to work an extra shift or two, tack on a nice 8 hours to our paychecks. Whoops. Quote, if an employee wants to work a shift, let them work. And oh boy, oh lord, oh gosh, oh golly gee willikers, did we want to work. Let me tell you, we went crazy. I pulled six doubles that week. Someone parked their RV in the parking lot and worked what most likely had to be forbidden due to labor laws. People were working maximum hours. One day I worked so long our manager gave me three lunch breaks. Dozens of people jumped at this opportunity. The next day I came in and saw the overnight guy still petering around. We milked that week for every hour, every cent of possible overtime. I don't recall all the numbers and such directly, but I think I went from a 72-hour paycheck to one that had about 118, and around 42 was OT, which was one and a half times paid. It's been a few years, but those numbers feel right. Also, if you work on Thanksgiving, you're given a single-use 25% off coupon to use in the store on one big order. Since I used my overtime on stuff to buy in the store, I felt like I earned an extra 25% on top of that. 
Management let it happen. No one said anything to the store manager that week, and he sat in his office. It was two days after that week that some corporate suits showed up and gave him a verbal beating when they realized he blatantly authorized that. I think early on he realized his mistake, but the die was cast, and truth be told, we did need to get the work done. All that OT and we barely were ready for the open door on Black Friday. He was mad, shouted at a couple managers after he got yelled at, asking why they let us work so much, but they just shrugged. If an employee wants to work a shift, let them. It was immediately dropped and was clear it would never be allowed again, and policy will remain as it was. I bought a TV, a month plus of groceries, Christmas gifts for everyone, a new car battery, two new tires, and some random things here and there for myself. It was worth it. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Well, I know this store very well. Intimately, one might say. And I worked there myself for a short time. Uh, I built bikes. That was what I was hired for. The bike builder. And uh, let's just say corporate policies were corporate policies. We were told up front what they were, what was expected of us, and everything like that. Now, did some department managers and assistant managers and even the store manager on occasion change things up? Sure, they tried. But we signed a paper when we got hired there that said, this is how it's supposed to work. You can't rush me through building bikes when it says clearly in the manual, the safety manuals and otherwise, that it should take this amount of time to build a bike and make sure it's safe for the customer and ready to go out the door. You can't do it. Not to mention the fact more than 50% of the bikes that came off the truck needed repairs or replacement parts. And they didn't want those bikes all hanging on the wire in the back up in the ceiling where they were just taking up valuable real estate in the stockroom. So if you want something done, you got to pay me for my time and you got to let me do it right. I'm not going to put some bike on the shelf that's not safe for the kid whose you know, grandmother just came in and bought it for his birthday or whatever. That's just not going to happen. I'm not having that on my conscience. And uh, I'm pretty sure the store doesn't want a lawsuit. Those were fun times. We won't even get into the fact that they used me as maintenance, fill-in cashier for the Tire and Lube Center, cart pusher, you name it. And I gladly did all those. But you can't yell at me for not building bikes if you got me chasing everything around the store that's not building bikes. So, there. And good for you for getting all that OT. I'd have taken advantage of it too. Physics teacher demands we plot the graph as we go, despite not knowing the range of values up front. Okay then, would be a shame if we deliberately chose an incorrect scale to make our point. This occurred many years ago at AS level physics in the UK. 16 to 17 year olds. I can't remember the exact experiment, but it was something like demonstrating the Young's modules. Basically, you're expecting a straight line until a point whereby the material yields and strains much further than expected by Hooke's law. So we've been asked to get on with the experiment, and like sensible students, we're all taking our measurements and noting them down. Then once we have our results and know the highest and lowest value for each axis, we can choose a sensible scale and draw the graph at a suitable size. We also aren't exactly sure where the yield strength is, so don't know how much stress we'll have to apply to demonstrate the experiment. However, midway through our experiment, our physics teacher angrily asks us why we aren't plotting any graphs. I explain that we're taking our measurements first so we know what scale to draw the graph at. This is not an acceptable answer. No, apparently we need to draw the graph as we take measurements because this will allow us to spot any errors earlier during the experiment rather than afterwards. This is a bizarre argument in my opinion. Well, you're the teacher. I guess we'll have to comply. So then myself and most of the rest of the class immediately start plotting what data we have, but with clearly not enough space to accompany the entire experiment. Eventually, we run into the edge of the paper. Sir, what do you want us to do now? Even angrier than before, he gets some cello tape and another piece of A4 graph paper and tapes it together to double the size of the graph paper, with some choice words including calling us smart Alex, which is fair because we're being deliberately annoying, but it's also unreasonable for us to have correctly guessed the yield strength of a random piece of copper wire before doing the experiment. 
to adhere to some nonsense idea of plotting a graph by hand as you take measurements. Realizing what's about to happen, most of the class start laughing. Someone else also requests extra graph paper, then another, and then another. I think pretty much the entire class requests a second bit of paper. Of course, two pieces of graph paper stuck together isn't enough. We need more. The teacher had to run to supplies to get another set of graph paper. Not happily, mind you. I think eventually I needed a 2x3 of A4 graph paper stuck together to make my comically large graph. Most of the rest of the class was similar results. There were also other issues like our 30cm rulers not being long enough to draw the hooker's law- Hookers. Jesus. Not being long enough to draw the hook's law part of the graph, etc. Which, of course, we made the teacher aware of. Eventually, the teacher, thoroughly pissed off at this point, is just standing silently at the front of the classroom. I bet you think you're all so funny, don't you? Before storming out of the classroom early. Yes, sir, we thought we were hilarious, and your rule ridiculous as demonstrated. Funnily enough, he dropped it the next time we did an experiment. In the years after this incident, many of us went on to get degrees in physics, and several of us are practicing scientists. We had a reunion recently where we recounted some of the incidents we had with this particular teacher, including this one. None of us can see any reason why he came up with that particular rule. We can only assume he misinterpreted something on the syllabus, or was just trying to exert control. Listen, I'm just a dumb carpenter here, but even I know that if you're going to graph something, you need to know your beginning and end values. You need to know your parameters before you can start graphing something. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you could take up a whole wall worth of A4 graph paper. It's just totally ridiculous. I don't understand what this teacher was thinking. Was he having an off day? Or was he just nuts, like you said, and trying to exert some kind of control or having a power trip? Uh, maybe. Oh, look. There's Lucy. Hi, Lucy. <laughs> Little alien dog. <laughs> oh, well, next story. Schooled in Compliance It's the late 80s, early 90s in the UK, but the compliance runs over about 5 years. Puberty hit me hard and early, just as I started high school, 11 years old. If that wasn't enough to deal with, it also saw between the acne, eczema, and psoriasis, my skin becoming a huge red and blotchy mess of blisters, psoriatic plaques, and acne breakouts to the point just laying down left little spots of blood on shirts, t-shirts, and bedsheets. Over the summer, between my first and second year, it got considerably worse. None of the medicated creams were helping, and the only time I got any sort of relief was when I was given steroids and antibiotics for the frequent chest infections I got, but that wasn't a long-term solution. The second year of high school gave us a whole new bunch of school rules to abide by. This is where the compliance begins. By the end of the first week of the year, I'd already had complaints about my appearance. My form tutor, Miss G, an amazing woman, understood the issues I was having, not just with the skin, but my home life too. My folks had split. Dad was a drunk, and that's a whole other story for another Reddit. So her income wasn't great. Mom worked two jobs, and her mental health wasn't the best either, dealing with the messy divorce, etc. But apparently the little bloodstains on my shirt were against the new business-like dress code, meant to prepare us for our work lives after school. So letters went home, and I got a detention, since they were in the no exceptions period. Mom was annoyed, so we instigated an undershirt rule and short sleeve shirts to leave the worst areas open, and we got our GP to issue a medical note regarding my skin. After all, I was there almost every week, it seems. This wasn't enough, and the more unforgiving teachers really kicked up about my arms being on show and using the words appalling and detrimental to the learning environment, despite my classmates knowing about the issues and not being overly bothered. So I was told off again, and this time sent up to the head of your tutor for a formal meeting. Now, Mr. E was a rather amiable older guy who taught languages, and he had a well-known catchphrase in the school. I like it. I do it myself, just not in school. Which was used liberally when it came to catching kids with shirts untucked, smoking, or making out under the staircases. 
He was apologetic, knowing it was a medical issue, and requested the GP to do something, repeating the line detrimental to the learning environment, and that being in the business of learning, I had to conform. I was given 14 days for my skin to improve, or I would be placed in more detentions as per policy. Two weeks go by, and my skin, from stress, was breaking out everywhere, so I end up in detention each night for a week, missing the school bus, which really pissed my mom off and her boss, given she had to come and collect me, since it would have taken over an hour for me to walk home. Each time Mr. E or another year tutor was there complaining about the state of my skin and asking why I wasn't taken to a doctor, each time my mom showing the appointment slips and notes from the GP. Finally it seemed like my arms were settling just as my face erupted with acne and shaving my face was a mess. This pissed off the school even more. So my mom suggested that one of the teachers like Mr. E attend a doctor's appointment with me and to tell the doctor what they thought. They discussed this and eventually it was decided that the teacher to come along was Mr. E himself. Mr. E complained at the order that came from the headmaster, a grizzled old teacher who had a dirty, unkempt beard and eyebrows like rutting <laughs> A grizzled old teacher who had a dirty, unkempt beard and eyebrows like rutting caterpillars, and he passed on his complaints to me and my mother. I did my best to ignore his eyes that seemed to be drilling into me angrily. As my mom went in to speak to my doctor first for her appointment, she explained what was happening as I was called in next. Mr. E stormed into the room ahead of me, immediately trying to lay down school rules. I remember phrases like, this is school policy, and it's our job to prepare them for working life, and I don't care about side effects of medication, it needs to be done now. The doctor looked down over his glasses and just asked, you are? Smiling at my mom. To which Mr. E did an impression like a goldfish. He asked to see my back and arm, so I took off my shirt. For the first time, Mr. E saw the full extent of the issue and just went white. The doc said to anyone who was listening, Stress and puberty don't help conditions like this, and they will, given time, normally settle down. He asked if I'd been using the cream. I nodded as he picked at one problematic area, removing one of the plaques, saying he'd send this to the lab as it looked a little unusual. Mr. E remained quiet as he examined me further, looking at how easy my skin bled in certain areas. The doc said I could get dressed again. You're a teacher, he said, looking at Mr. E. I'm a school governor for X school, our immediate rival, and I'm also on the local education authority board. Mr. E's color still hadn't returned, but he nodded. The doc then went into his computer and typed out another letter, this time effectively adding that I can be excused from the usual rules as a new medical policy was being written by the LEA that all schools must follow. He then told Mr. E he could leave. He sat and chatted to both me and my mom for a while and basically said to continue what I was doing and it'll clear up. He said the letters will be at the desk along with another prescription for us both. Mom gave Mr. E the letter and just said, I hope that puts an end to this nonsense. Mom didn't bother dropping Mr. E back at school. <laughs> the next day, Mr. E ignored me, and to be honest, most of the teachers were either their usual grouchy self or sickly sweet with Mrs. G being her usual happy self, asking about the appointments as if she knew what had gone down in the staff meeting. End of term was upon us, so for a whole fortnight I didn't bother shaving and let my face just rest. So the return to school I shaved and cleaned up the best I could. And Mr. E was immediately on my case, be it my work in his French and Spanish class or just in general. I'd go home and tell mom all about it as she would take notes. Now into year 9, or third year of high school, 14 years old, it's 1991. Skin was healing in parts, but my face looked like a volcano, and I'd grown out a neat little mustache which my mom helped me neatly trim, and we had managed to sort out the really dry lips so I could eat and drink without them splitting, which had put me off food. Now the new medical exemption had come into effect, forcing the school to change their rules. As I got off the bus I could see the teachers immediately go into meltdown over the facial hair, and they weren't happy. I got to lunchtime before I was dragged by my collar into the year tutor's office and had three of them and a deputy head lay into me about it. 
They demanded I remove it, handing me a single cheap razor that looked as if it had been used. Ugh. I refused to shave, citing my medical note, and I wouldn't use anyone else's razor purely for my own safety given the existing issues. So I was sent home. It seems my mom had been called, so she had called the doctor about it given his role in the LEA. I arrived at school the next day, my mustache still in place, and was called into the headmaster's office, only to be introduced to the chair of the LEA and my doctor with the head looking a little browbeaten. Apparently the chair had already been shown photos of my back and arms by my doctor and could see what's happening with my face and the neat mustache. He asked me a few questions and smiled saying this wasn't my fault, etc. And that a new rule especially for my school was being put in place and it would be checked frequently and I or any student could ask for a surprise check to be made by LEA staff. The new rule was if students were meant to live by the strict dress and appearance code then so were the teachers and only those with medical exemptions like mine were allowed but it had to be neat and tidy. I was there to see an announcement being made over the rarely used school tannoy system. Tannoy system. That's a hard word. It was reconfirmed in the school assemblies over the following week. Letters went home to parents and it seemed there was a sigh of relief among them as it seems I wasn't the only one getting grief from the rules that had been in place. The teachers had two weeks to adjust. The whole LEA was there to check the teachers and a number had public meltdowns in regards to their appearance including the deputy head, Mrs. B, who normally wore layers of makeup and blue eyeshadow who swore up and down she was exempt because she was deputy head. Stories spread around the school like wildfire. Even Mr. R, the headmaster, lost his beard. Yes, I got more grief about it, but Mrs. G kept them away from my grades. The mustache stayed until the end of my time in high school. Funnily enough, over that summer, my skin seemed to clear up almost instantaneously. So by my first day of college to do my A-levels, my face was clearer and I could shave off the mustache. My brother attended the school the September after I left. The teachers didn't give him a hard time for fear of what he would do, but the firm rule stayed in place about teachers' appearance until the school merged with the rival back in 2013. So I understand having dress codes and rules in place for neatness and things like that. Uh, I think there should be more rules about things like that to a certain extent because I've seen some really sloppy kids, and I'm not talking about the less fortunate, lower-income students. In fact, most of the time, those students aren't even really shabbily dressed. I'm talking about the ones who deliberately dress sloppy just to look cool or prove a point or whatever. And trust me, I am not a person of style and sophistication by any means. But when I went to school or worked a corporate job that had rules that were set in place, I'd follow them. Now, if there are medical exemptions, there are medical exemptions. There's some things you just can't do anything about. And teenage hormonal acne, blah, blah, blah. You can't control that. You really can't. I don't care what medication you've got. Nine times out of ten, it's still going to show through. But let me tell you, I've seen some teachers. I had a dress code when I worked for the Board of Ed locally here. After the first two times of being included in an all-out brawl in school among students, and I was the only one on the floor trying to split them up and ripping my khaki pants that cost way more than my jeans and didn't really look any better, to be quite honest with you, after that day I wore nice jeans. Nice pair of shoes, nice jeans, button-down shirt, no tie because they become a handle really quick, let me tell you. Anyway, and I looked presentable and did my job, and that was that. I got in trouble a couple of times because I refused to change back to khaki pants or business attire. Because, again, if you're going to use me for disciplinary reasons and to split up fights, I'm not going to roll around on the floor in an expensive pair of khakis. I'm going to wear my nice jeans. Because they'll withstand most of that abuse at least somewhat better than khakis will. Plus, I can move better. But even after all this, they would simply ignore the history teacher who's been at the school since 1970-whatever with his weird long ponytail that was never trimmed, always looked ratty and greasy, 
and he always had food stains on the front of his shirt. So you're going to tell me I can't wear a nice pair of jeans. And by the way, I was neatly trimmed. None of this, even though I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, I kept things neat. This guy was a total slob. I've seen it in every school I've worked in, along with some of the schools I attended as a young student and teenager. Uh, there's always going to be a few teachers who are just slobs and nasty and have really crappy attitudes besides. Now, I will say, sometimes you work with kids beyond a certain number of years, they tend to drive you that way, but that's when it's time to retire. Know your limits and get out. I did about eight and a half years and I was done. I was gone because I know my limitations with other people's kids and yeah, I hit the wall on that one and decided before somebody gets hurt, me or them, uh, I'm out. And even after that, I kept bouncing at a bar afterwards and it really wasn't any different. Working in the school, working in the bar, eh, you know. It all blends. Anyway, sorry for the side rant there, but yeah, that was just silly. All the way around. Yes, rules are rules, but, you know, sometimes you have to adjust the rules to accommodate certain medical issues and things like that. So, yeah, it's just a bad look for everybody all the way around to stay in their pompous ways and, yeah, push the issue that far. But And good for your doctor for sticking by his guns and helping dress all these people down. Uh, yeah, it needed to happen. All right, guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. I hope you enjoyed the video slash podcast. And uh, if you get a chance, leave me a comment down below or in a review for the podcast or go under the community tab on my page here and uh, leave an answer to the question if you would. Uh, would you like to see a live? Would you like to see me go live and make an ass out of myself and have some conversation with you guys and uh, just have an all-around good time? Let me know what you think. All right, until the next one, we'll see you.